0: Have you ever heard the saying, I need to wait until I get my feet under the table? Have you ever heard somebody say that? They start a new job or they, they start in a new situation. And I think what people mean by that is they, want, they haven't been there long enough or have got a relationship enough so that they can't really say everything that might be on their mind. They couldn't give the real depth of something really important. They are waiting until they've got their feet under the table or belonging a bit more and a bit stronger. In recent ch- years in the church, what has happened is we've, we've uh, latched on to this phrase that you can belong before believing. Belonging becomes before believing. And what we mean by that is that people are made to feel welcome, even if they don't believe absolutely everything that, that we uh, uh, teach yet. They actually just say, We're wel- you're welcome. And, and that's been really good. It's made us more of a welcoming church. It's, it's created us to have a larger heart. But as much as we want to welcome people, and we do, we really want to welcome you today from wherever you are and whoever and wherever walk of life you've come from whatever nation you come from whatever part of Birmingham we really want to welcome you but as much as we want to welcome you we all have to admit that there are levels of belonging and i just want to speak a, a bit more forthrightly today about that where there is levels of belonging where people feel more comfortable being more forthright and open about their opinions when they feel like, well, I belong and this is something for me. Do you remember Peter with Jesus? He, you know, Jesus says, I'm about to die, and Peter puts his arm around him and says, surely not you, Lord. And actually, the Lord has to rebuke him and saying, well, I know that you feel like you belong, and I know that you feel like you can advise me, but actually you're way off right now. But at least he felt like he was on the inner circle. And I wonder whether you feel like you could make a contribution or how your belonging thermometer is, that you could say how you felt about being around here. Now, it doesn't mean at all that we won't listen to anybody who has a new idea, no matter how long or how short you've been here. But it is true that many of us who've traveled a bit longer on a relationship have built up trust so that we can say, well, you know, I kind of would, would want to say about this. I don't want to give you a sense in which you can judge where your belongings are. Could you really say what's on your mind? And we all have opinions about what's healthy, don't we? We have opinions about what's good ingredients to belong to a church. In a few weeks' time, we're going to talk about uh, belonging to our neighborhood. We're going to talk about belonging to our workplace and and being kingdom people who long after reaching other people. But today, I want to just lift up a few ingredients of what real belonging to a church might mean and and see if there's something that you could be challenged with and receive. We've all got opinions about the right ingredients. For men, what's the most best best type of cooking for men? It's barbecue, of course, isn't it? Men, do you love to barbecue? Yeah? No? Have we got any barbecuers in the house? Yeah? You like barbecuing? This is how men barbecue. The wife or the woman of the house or somebody else goes to the supermarket and buys all the meat. They marinate it, they fix the salad, they lay the table, they get the plates out. And then the meat comes out of the packet and they carry the meat to the man. And the man takes the meat, puts it on the grill... He stands there looking all cool and manly, and the woman goes back in the house to tidy up, to make sure everything's to lay the table, to do the cutlery, to set the drinks, to make sure everything's okay. Then she thinks, ooh, better run out there and say, you're burning that meat, why don't you turn it over? So she helps him do that, and he turns the meat over, and he stands there looking all cool, I'm barbecuing, I'm doing the meat, and the meat... And then he lifts the meat off the grill and passes it to the wife, who then dishes it up to everybody and makes sure everybody has fair portions. And then the man says to the woman, have you had a good day where you've had a day off today from cooking? <laughs> and then she kind of looks a bit disgruntled, and then, and then he thinks you can't please some women at all. You know, you try and help them out. That's how a man barbecues. Can I hear an amen from the women? Yes. Can I hear more of a kind, gracious amen, women, not so spiteful, yes. not so hurt? But you see, we've all got our preferences about the way that we go about things, and we, we, we try and add ingredients in, and I'm going to talk about three important ingredients today about the the way to belong to a church. There are more, and I'll mention them, but I want to focus in on three. You know, 30 years ago, um, the fact that I was a pastor actually helped me win a T-shirt. McDonald's had a competition to see if I could say all the ingredients, the seven ingredients, to a Big Mac in under seven seconds, and if I could do that, being the professional speaker I am, I won a T-shirt. So I said, to all beef patties... Uh, Lettuce, cheese, pickles and onion, special sauce, all on a sesame seed bun. And I said that under seven seconds and won a (laughs) t-shirt. Okay. In America, there was a competition to see how many Christians could say the ingredients to uh, the McDonald's and how many of them knew the Ten Commandments. Let's uh, just see what the results were. Most of the Americans knew, uh, 80% of Americans knew there were all old, be, old beef patties, special sauce, lesser cheese, pickles and onions, all on a sesame seed bun. 80% got that right. But 60% only recognized that do not kill was part of the Ten Commandments. 45% only knew that honor thy mother was, and father was part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, only 29% knew, knew that. And, uh, and again, 29% only knew that we should not make idols before the Lord, which proves that Christians know hamburgers more than they know the Ten Commandments. We've all got to think Is our view of the ingredients of church biblical? Is it based on something other than how I like it? And my view is that being informed of the way God wants us to think. The ingredients of church are powerful. A powerful belonging ingredient to church, and this isn't what I really want to speak about, but is our connection to each other. And our friendship to each other. Part of friendship connection. Is to include our encouragement to each other. And part of the ingredient is. Our shared interests with each other. And that's fine. And and that should happen. And I pray that in your journey of BCC. You find some good friends. Who you have shared interests with. Who encourage you. And who can connect with you. But. As is the nature of things, these uh, friendships that we all have cannot be matured if that's all that you have in them. Encouragement and shared interest. Because as with Jesus and Peter, they had a shared interest, but Peter believed something that Jesus wasn't going to go with. And you will find it difficult to belong to people Whom your beliefs differ from. And so the first very powerful belonging in church is right beliefs. In Ephesians 4 verse 13 it says this, We can all reach unity until we all reach unity in the faith, in the body of knowledge of what what comprises of the faith until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I want you to confess some beliefs today. In fact, I'm going to ask you, would you all please stand to your feet and we're going to make a confession of belief today because what you confess and you believe is important. But here's the thing. Let's all stand, shall we? It will help you to belong. As you find agreement about your beliefs. Would you put that up on the screen for me, please, Leon? Can you read that at the back? If you can't read it at the back, come forward. Here we go. We will you say this together like you really believe it. Okay? Number one. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and descended to the dead. Pause. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when you believe something, it changes your life. Helps you to connect with other people who believe that. Your beliefs are really important. Next slide. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And He will come back to judge the living and the dead. Somebody give Him praise. Come on. I believe it. Do you believe that? He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. I believe it. Amen? amen. Somebody give him an amen. Yeah. It's worth believing. You see, the reason why some of you are not feeling connected to the church is you don't really believe it. You're believing. Your beliefs will connect you and help you to belong last slide I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints thank God the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and life everlasting Amen I believe I'm forgiven and I have everlasting life how about you? Amen well there's three of you Please, take a seat. You see, as you confess your beliefs and dig down deeper into your beliefs, it will help you belong. And of course, the Catholic Church there means the universal church. It means the church that that everybody can belong to. How do you believe? You need to increase your believing in the right things. And it will help you to belong. I'm so glad that this old body is going to be changed and given eternal life. Amen? Amen. I believe it. Hey, don't say amen about my body. Say amen about your body. (laughs) The second important ingredient about belonging to the church is shared mission. Paul said about his son in the faith, Timothy, that we've labored together in the gospel. And as they worked together, you can find it in Philippians 2. As they worked together, their relationship was bound together. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and the first three verses there, Jesus appointed 72. Now, he could have reached 144 villages, but he didn't. He said, I'm sending the 72 out in twos because their relationship, their friendship in mission was important to us. After the Lord appointed 72 others he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town to the place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest and God I am, go for I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. I'm not sending you out for a little picnic I'm not sending you out so that we can just have fellowship together. I'm sending you out on mission and it's going to be dangerous. So go together. The reason why some people never feel like they belong to church is because they don't join in with the mission of church. That that when you share in the mission of what the church is about, you make connections and you grow and you begin to connect in and develop in your relationships. Our mission here is to invite as many people as possible to get to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Our mission here is to transform Birmingham and this society through kingdom acts of power and compassion. Our mission here is to develop you into the disciple that you were always meant to be. So that you could develop someone else into the disciple that they were meant to be. Our mission here is to make sure that you become a good steward of all your resources. Your time, your talents, your treasure and your testimony. That you become God's holy manager of everything that He's given you. So that His kingdom can break out through your life. Our mission here is to worship is to lift Him up, is to be able to exalt Him here on earth, so that Thy kingdom, Lord, does come on earth as it is in heaven. I'll say this later on, but I'm going to say it again. Do you know in heaven, there's a multitude of every nation, of every tribe, of every person worshipping Jesus, and that recalibrates creation and society. Our mission is to worship. Our mission here is to care for the hurting. And if you're hurting today, we want to pray with you. We want to give practical help to you. We want to make sure that your hurt is changed. Our mission is to invite people to Jesus. Our mission is to be able to do kingdom acts of power and of compassion. Our mission is to be able to develop disciples. Our mission is to be able to care for the hurting. Our mission is to be able to create stewards who can steward all of their resources. Our mission is to worship and to pray. If you join in on that mission, you'll belong. You'll sense, man, this is something that my life is worthwhile about. As you go to your workplace, as you go to your family, if you make it your mission to do those things, you'll change, and you'll belong. The ingredients of belonging are right beliefs and shared mission. But the third powerful ingredient for belonging—it's really important—is values. Sharing in values. Turn to First Peter, Second uh, Peter. And uh, in the first chapter there, Peter says some values, and he says it this way, he says, Add to your faith, so that you're not unprofitable, and so that the promises of God become real to you, for this very reason, add make every effort to add to your faith, and then he lists some values, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And if you've got godliness, why don't you add on to it mutual affection? And if you've got mutual affection for somebody, add on to it love. And add on love uh, to love. For if you possess these qualities, Peter says, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your values are what you do without thinking about them. It's how you behave out of without even thinking. And around here at, at Birmingham City Church, We have some values that if you begin to buy into them, you'll begin to belong in them. You see, one of our values around here is we're a Pentecostal church or a spirit orientated church. We believe that the Holy Spirit still moves today, brings miracles and healing, direction and intervention in our lives. And that's one of our values. So we're not going to particularly just follow a program. We want to follow a person. And so if you, if you would like to sense, well, what is it about this church? One of our deep values is, is that we seek all the time to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Another value that we have here is that we are contemporary. We want to make the Christian message without watering down the timeless message of the Scripture. We want to make it accessible. I'll tell you why. Because we want your children to be Christians for the rest of their lives. So we're not going to give them a style of Christianity that is way, way, way back in the 1950s when you enjoyed it. We're going to try and make it contemporary so that all of us can go to heaven together. We value the fact that we can take on the big ideas of culture and not shy away from hard questions and try and make an attempt to say, church can happen today in a great way. Can I hear an amen from someone? We value the fact that we're into discipleship. We value and we'll never cease being sharp with you and strong with you about your discipleship. Your discipleship means... Becoming like Christ in character and in ministry. That you share with Jesus your heart and life so that you're molded and shaped and formed by him. So we'll try and get you into a discipleship process any way we can because that's our value. We believe that people need to be transformed. Is anybody with me? We believe that people need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, says the famous last words of the Apostle Peter. We believe that, and so one of our values is discipleship. So please, don't ever, ever get tired of somebody inviting you to be part of some sort of discipleship group, because that's our value. It just flows out of us. That's how we believe we can grow. But acting as a disciple in our workplace and in our families becomes key to all of our value. So it's not just about Bible studies. What we want to do is say, how is your life? Are you Jesus to the people that you work with? You see, we value here that we are made up of absolutely every nation because I think it's a little bit of a taste of heaven on earth, don't you? We run our church like a British church. We try and start on time. The songs and the worship are kind of what you would find in lots of churches. But one of the things that we value is that we value from every nation under the sun you can find a welcome here. We really like the Scottish people being here. We love the Scottish, don't we? Church, Well, there's one. We love the Scottish, we do. We like the Zimbabweans, the Nigerians. We like the ordinary English bloke who likes his roast beef and his Yorkshire pudding on time, please, at the same time every Sunday. We like those English people. We like the stiff upper lip. We love all that. We love that. But you know what? We also like Nigerians as well. We like Italian people here unusually so, we make room in our hearts for Americans. We love German people. You see, what we want to be is a cosmopolitan church and we value that. And we'll guard that and protect that. And so let me say something serious. If ever you feel that your culture is being downtrodden, you come to me and tell me. Because what I'm going to say to you is that was never our intention Because what we want around here is kingdom culture. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm telling you, in heaven there is every nation under the sun worshipping around Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know, we value every age group here. That's our values. This is not a youth church. Even though sometimes I try and act as youthy as possible, this is not a youth church. This is an every generation church. This is something where we believe that every generation comes to Jesus. I said this in Bible study on Wednesday. I don't know whether we have... We're, next year, we're having a youth mission. We're going to try and win one, f- 5,000 young people to Jesus in Birmingham. How about that for a goal? We're going to try and win through a school's mission, 5,000 young people for all the churches in Birmingham. Wouldn't that be great? I tell you what, I though, I thought to myself, why don't we have a mission for 70-year-olds, and go to every nursing home? Because, and sorry, if you're 70, just hear me right, you're closer than all of us, and you haven't got much time left. Do you know what I'm saying? But not many churches do that. But I'm thinking, why don't we try and win every age group to Jesus? Because that's our value around here. Okay. Seems like some of you are reacting against that. (laughs) Values. They're what you do without thinking about them. We value all of our city. We value the fact that you've come from all over the city here, but we do value the fact that we're on a location. So please be a good witness in the car park. Please hug each other. Don't toot your horn at each other. Please smile and shake hands at each other. Please do your best to be a great witness because all those curtains twitching by those flats, they're judging what Christianity is by you. And that's why we love our locality and bring our food bank. We value Pentecost. We value being contemporary. We value discipleship. We value every age group. We value our city as well as our local and we value the fact that we are a cosmopolitan church. Those are our values. That's what we operate out of. That sounds like a church that you could belong to. Your beliefs And how you believe will bring you in closer belonging. How you share in a mission will bring you in closer belonging. The reason why you sometimes feel like, well, I get it, but it kind of doesn't sit with me is because the mission isn't strong in your heart. And the values that we value As you make those your values, they will bring them into, bring you into relationship. You see, real friendships is only fully deepened when you move beyond personality and move beyond your shared interests. Even though those things are important, please let me make sure that you hear that. And the activities that we like to do together, Great, all of those things are important, but when you share beliefs, mission and values, your friendships, your belonging will get stronger and stronger and stronger. It's important that you don't base your belonging just on personality and friendships, because when people are called to another place, then sometimes you feel your belonging gets hurt. It's important that you say, no, I believe in the mission. I believe in the values. I believe in the beliefs. And God will begin to deepen you. Have you struggled to belong to a church? Are you here today where you feel like I go from this church to this church after a few years, I don't fit in? Well, here's your gateway. Why don't you deepen your belief? Why don't you share in the mission? Why don't you begin to understand what's important for us around here? To be a generous hearted church which, which values generosity and love. As you share those values, you begin to feel like you belong. Belonging has many ingredients and Pastor Nick talked about joining in last week. Sharing your ministry can help. Getting behind Some goals that we have, like making this an excellent place, both in processes and and, and in an environment. Making sure that we can develop leaders. Opening up new mission fields. Get behind those goals. Maybe opening up a new campus across the city. Let's get behind those goals. Making sure that we can lead people to financial freedom. If we get behind those goals, you will begin to find that your belonging will begin to grow and grow and grow. But let me just begin to close. And Natalie, I want you to bring the worship team if you will. If you will pray for your church every single day and regularly, if you'll pray for your church, you'll be amazed how much you feel like you belong. You'll be amazed how much God begins to download to you some of the things that you're supposed to be doing. So I want to ask you, can we make a new call to prayer, to pray for our church? As we contribute financially, and we've talked about that enough. Then God will help you to belong. But I'm just wondering today, if you'll just stand with me. And as I close, I want to just talk to you about one person in the Bible. And I want you to stand so that you can stretch a bit and because I believe there's Lord's still got a word for somebody here in this place. Maybe you feel like you're part of a crowd. And you'd love to think, well, I'm really part of the congregation. Maybe you're part of the congregation and you think, you know, I'd really like to be more committed. And maybe you'd really like to be a core person. As you share in values, beliefs and mission you begin to move to that core. But you know, I've been struck by a story from a man in the Old Testament. In fact, an unusual incident in his life. Moses was called by God to be part of the most incredible mission. In fact, the most important mission of that time. The liberation of God's people from Egypt. And he went over and saw the burning bush. And then he gives five excuses to God. I'm not worthy, God. They won't believe me, God. I won't be able to explain you, God. God, uh, what if uh, they reject me, God? And then lastly, fifthly, he says, pardon me, God. Can you send somebody else? And I've read this story, and God becomes angry at him. And I'm thinking, well, God, you know, he was nervous. And and he does this whole deal about Aaron speaking for him, which actually doesn't work out. If you read the Bible, Moses begins to speak on his own as his confidence grows anyway. But then there's an unusual incident where... Moses is kind of cajoled and on his way back to Egypt and God comes to the lodging house and the Bible says He comes to kill him. And I've thought about that and thought, Lord, are you not being too harsh? But if you think about it for a moment, all of Moses' life had been orchestrated up to this point. And I want to pause here and say to you in the spirit, that God has orchestrated your life even to today. He's been working on you and training you and shaping you and giving you good experiences and bad experiences. And He's been shaping your life just like He did with Moses. With Moses, He put him in a basket to keep him safe. He helped his mother who, he was supposed to be killed, but his own mother raised him in a foreign palace. He learned all the education God protected him even when he murdered somebody when he made his huge mistake God trained him gave him a good family of Jethro so that he could be a shepherd in the wilderness God had brought Moses to this point and Moses was going to miss it pardon me sir could could you take somebody else and you haven't said it in those words but But with your commitment to your lifestyle, you're saying just the same thing. With your commitment to some of the things that you do and you don't prioritize belief values and mission, you're saying, pardon me, Lord, could you just find somebody else? And all the while, the Lord has been investing in you, saying, I've been shaping you, I've been giving you this so that now I can use you. And at this moment, you could say, or could you just use somebody else, Lord? But I want to arrest you. I believe the Lord's preached this story on my heart because Zipporah, his wife, she does a strange thing. She quickly circumcises one of her sons and throws the, the uh, circumcision piece on, on the feet of Moses and says, I'm your bridegroom groom of blood. And reminds God of the only symbol that he has. You see, at this time, there was no temple, there was no law, there was no trappings of uh, Israelite Israelite faith, none at all. The only symbol that they had was this strange sign to say, this is my people, I own them, they belong to me, they're in relationship and they're in covenant with me. And she reminds God of his belonging and relationship to them. And he relents and says, sure, you're mine. And I want to remind you something today. There's a young man, 33 years old, who looked up to heaven and said, God, why have you forsaken me? His life was dripping out of him. And on his mind was you that day. Where He said, I'm now. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And He's in relationship with you. He purchased you. He paid for everything that you've ever done wrong on the cross. Called you to Himself. And He said, you belong to Me now. So you can belong here now. And you can go on mission now. And instead of you saying, please, sir, use somebody else. Why don't you remind yourself of the fact that he died and rose from the dead for you so that you could serve him and belong to his great family. You see, you've been saying, I can't do this, Lord. And he's saying, but you belong to me. And I've come like Zipporah today to throw the cross at your feet. And I've come like Zipporah today to remind you of your relationship with God. Some of you got saved in your teenage years and you were broken, you were lost. Some of you have been brought up in godly families and you've known Jesus all of your life and I want to remind you today that you belong to Him. so why would you say please sir can you use someone else when all along he is saying will you just serve me will you just belong it's going to take sacrifice from you it's going to be hard sometimes but if you'll belong I will bless you your life will move in different corners Your destiny will be different. So to those of you who are experienced Christians, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and lift your hands with me. Come on. For those of you who are not experienced, would you close your eyes and bow your head and lift your hand with me. And I want you to pray this prayer. Don't send anybody else, Lord. Send me. Come on, pray it out loud with me. Don't send anybody else, Lord. Send me. Because hear the word of the Lord, and this is a word of the Lord to you. I am in relationship with you, says the Lord. I am in covenant with you, says the Lord. I died on the cross for you, says the Lord. And you belong to me, says the Lord. For you have heard many voices saying that you belong to many other things. But your first belonging is to me, says the Lord. And I remind you of my relationship and my covenant with you, says the Lord. You belong to me. Would you now belong to my mission? In Jesus' name, I prophesy that over you, church. So would you pray it one more time? Would you lift your hands right up as as if you really mean it? Would you stretch it as high as it can go? And would you say, don't send anybody else, Lord. Send me. Come on, say it out. Don't send anybody else, Lord. Send me. You see, God has sent you to your workplace to bring the kingdom there. God has sent you to your college and your school to bring the kingdom there. God has sent you to be his ambassador. So come on, as loud as you can say it, say it one more time with me. Don't send anybody else, Lord. Send me. I want to remind you of who you belong to. For anybody who has trouble in your life, if you have a sickness or trouble or a difficult decision to make, I want you to leave the seat where you're standing and we just want to pray with you before you go home. Natalie and the team are going to lead us in one song. And that will be our prayer. But we want to pray with you before you leave. So if you're in this place and you have sickness or any trouble in your life or a difficult decision. In fact, would you leave your seats right now? and Then we can begin to pray with you. Just do that straight away. Natalie, would you lead us as we worship?